Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, a podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Joe Robertson in one of our special podcast series on leaders' life stories. Hi Joe, thanks for being with us today. Hi Ian, thanks for having me. No worries at all. So um, we we had a, a, a sort of a prep conversation a couple of weeks back, didn't we? We talked mm. about some of the things that you're really passionate about and I really want to get into those today. Um, and I, I think our listeners will really get this kind of uh, idea of yours around authenticity. There's a lot to be talked about around, you know, mm. spotting whether somebody's authentic or not. So we'll we'll get into that absolutely as the podcast um, comes about. I, I always like to sort of grab onto something that I think is really important to the to the guest mm. before we start. So that was something, and it was it was definitely one of the reasons that wow, this this could be a really good podcast with Joe because she's got something really important to say. Mm. That's brilliant, and I think um, we were talking about authenticity, which is something that for me I feel really passionate about because I feel like I wasn't able to be authentically me in the workplace. You know, I've, I've built a career in the corporate world, and um, I left part of myself at home to do that. Mm. Uh, and actually, when you're not acting in your authentic self, then you can't ever really be content, happy, successful, and all of those other things that we're all striving for. And so now I feel like helping others to find that is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Joe, let's let's jump straight in then and, and tell our listeners who you are and what your role is today. So my name is Joe Robertson and um, I am a personal coach or a life coach. Um, actually saying that is quite a big thing for me because I've only moved into this full time in December and uh, it still feels a little bit weird you know I'm used to introducing myself as uh, a CDO or a COO or an operations director but actually no right now I am a life coach um, uh, delivering personal and corporate based coaching to help people to kind of find their own power. Wow okay um, and, and when you say it feels a little bit odd is it just the sort of your your history up until this point or is there something in in your in the way you feel about it that feels a bit like oh am, am I comfortable talking about myself being a coach do I think I'm good enough to be a coach is, is there something in that or is it just the I'm used to saying I'm an ops director or a COO and, yeah. and it's just who I was I think actually it's a little bit of both so um I I from a very young age I felt like career was important so who I became was very, very heavily interlaced with what job I did. So from being a young girl, um, and I have built that personality as a director, as a senior manager within a corporate world, having people working for me, um, having a pay packet, which I don't have at the moment, which is interesting. Um, and so actually over the last 25 years, that has become a part of my self-worth so part of my value is coming from the fact that I could say to people look at the job I've got mm. I've got an important job you know and so um giving that up and um not having that so not being able to say to people look at my my job that you can traditionally understand is valuable yes. um is is really it's taken some adjustment I think from a personal perspective to say actually I am adding probably more value yeah. doing what I do now than I was adding doing what I was what I was doing before 
so there's almost been a process of not wanting to to sound too cheesy but almost a process of rebirth yeah, yeah. so that process of kind of leaving behind the expectations on what someone who's successful should look like and do yeah um but of course then there is the other side which is the ever-present imposter syndrome which of course that that inner critic which is another topic i'm really passionate about sits on my shoulder constantly saying joe what do you think you're doing yeah. Just go and get a job you know go back and get a job you can get a good job go do it what the heck do you think you're doing out here on your own you don't know what you're doing what the hell so of course i have i have both of those going on actually yeah. um and i quite like the fact that i've got my critic because i do a lot of work with other people on inner critic and it really helps me to be able to empathize with that that yeah. journey that other people are going on um, yeah both of those yeah no that sounds good and and a lot of that resonates with me personally mm -hmm. as well and certainly how, yeah. how I've kind of gone through my career uh sort of grabbing on to job titles and jobs mm -hmm. uh, and feeling like they were the important thing uh, mm -hmm. and and that that's what success looked like and felt like mm -hmm. to me, uh, as I went through yeah. my career so definitely with you on that show yeah um, and so many of us do that don't we because um from being tiny children we're told what is expected of us so we're told what someone who's successful looks like what someone who's doing well looks like you know you should have a nice house the big car the savings account and and we have this put on us from being children mm. but those aren't your own personal values those are values that are put on from outside and so so many of us feel like we have to be this this um body of success yeah. um and then we wonder why we don't feel comfortable because that's actually not what's important to us yeah um, yeah no that's what um and we, we kind of touched on um you know you, you growing up a little bit there joe but let's let's sort of jump into that in a little bit more detail then so um talk to me about your 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 first memory growing up and 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 let's kind of sort of understand you a little bit more if we can Mm. So this was a really interesting one, one for me to think about as, as a first memory, because they all seem to just jumble into one. And I was thinking about memories. I was like, no, I'm just going to pretend then. Um, but the one that, that came forward to me the most, because it is something that I, I remember quite frequently, was when I was young. I don't know how old I would have been, maybe three, four. Um, and uh, there was a thunderstorm uh, late at night. So we were all talked up in bed. I've got two sisters. Uh, we were all tucked up in bed fast asleep and there was this huge thunderstorm um, and my mum got me out of bed and my sister's out of bed and we went into her room and we had the window the curtains open watching the storm um, and she went and made sandwiches and we had like, this little picnic her bed now in my mind it was two or three in the morning it was probably 10 o'clock you know but as a child it was like wow what the heck is happening here we were up in the middle of the night there was yeah. lightning there was sandwiches um and I've always remembered that as being this kind of magical little experience totally unexpected um <coughs> never forgotten about that kind of connection um and I, I was thinking because um I've tried to do the same with my boys. So I love weather, which might make me sound a bit weird, but I really love weather. I love rain and wind and snow yeah. and sun, whatever it is. Like I really enjoy weather. Yeah. And um, when the boys were little, uh, I have twin boys. So when they were they were tiny, we, if there was a thunderstorm, we used to go and sit in the porch and we'd open the door 
um, and we'd watch those storms and we'd get the smells and everything else that came yeah. with it. Um, and that morphed for my boys into um, when we ended up having a trampoline in the garden. If it rained, they would strip strip off and they were out on the trampoline, bouncing on the trampoline <laughs> in the rain. Yeah. Um, so I think weather must be quite important. Yeah, wow. I mean, talk about taking what traditionally might be a, a scary event and mm-hmm. turning it into a really positive yeah. thing at, at that age. It shows the importance of, of having something like that, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And also, I think the other thing for me that stepped out is as parents, we feel like we have to make these grand gestures for our children, you know, take them to Disney World or mm. thousands of presents under the Christmas tree or what, you know, huge fancy car. And actually the memories that are stored are having a picnic on a, a bed watching a thunderstorm. You know, it, it's those things that kind of go into that core memory for our children and create this real special magical experience. Yeah, wow. And of course, then you carried it on with, with your children as well. And, and, yeah. and that kind of I, I, similar to you, I mean, I, I really love the rain, um, yeah. the noise that it makes and the smells that it can create mm, mm. Um, as a result of it. And obviously, li- living in Wales, we get quite a lot of, <laughs> quite a lot of rain. <laughs> um but yeah just just that kind of experience um mm-hmm. and, and and similar to you i, I whenever there's thunder and lightning me and the kids and 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 the wife gather on the window and look mm-hmm. at each photos and it's just yeah. such, a, such a cool thing i think it is it's really cool and a little bit magical that's you know in my head it's a little bit magical it part no one can control that Mm. Um, it happens and it does what it's going to do and, and you just have to let it be and let it go through that experience so you know I'm I'm, I'm obsessed by whether I, I've recently moved to this house and one of the reasons I moved here is it's right at the top of the hill yeah. so it really gets the weather um, it's a house so that I could I could be in a snowstorm and uh, rainstorms and rest oh amazing amazing so just want to connect a couple of things now then so so that and, and looking at your face, the way you were describing that story, um, and that that all seems really, really authentic. And that's like your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go into your journey through your career up to mm-hmm. now. I know along the way, uh, you know, as you describe yourself, you weren't being authentic along mm-hmm. the way to who mm-hmm. you are. So yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. So, so you know, how would you describe your journey to your to your current role and and some mm. of the less than authentic sort of uh jobs along the way in in your career mm. and I, I think a lot of my career happened by accident um and that isn't a imposter syndrome oh I was successful by accident this is actually I, I didn't plan it and I didn't intend it so I, I went to university and I did licensed retail management at university I don't really know what I was going to do with that, but it seemed fun. I got to work with food and, you know, that's what I love doing. Um, And then I left uni, worked in the pubs for a little while, realised I didn't enjoy it uh, and decided I wanted to be a barrister. So I then started studying at Open University, my law degree, and thought, oh, I need a nice, simple, easy job that I can do in the day. Uh, nine to five, come home and then study in the evening. And so I got a job at Empower um, as a team manager. And uh, it was only ever meant to be. 
this little part, not part-time, it was a full-time job, but this little job that ticked yeah. me along with an income until um, I got my law degree and I was going to go off and be a barrister. And then out of the blue, I got pregnant. And I was like, all oh, right, now what do I do? And actually, very quickly after getting pregnant, I, I became a single mom. So, so my partner left when the boys were three months old. Um, and the reality was the I, I had responsibilities. I had twins. Um, both of them had serious health conditions. And Empower was a supportive employer that I could turn up and leave every day without really carrying any weight. And so all hope of the barrister lifestyle just went, you know, and, and it went. And, and I talked to boys about that often. They're like, Mum, we stole your dream. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I, I gave that up willingly and I'm really happy with where I am. Um, but because of that, and because the boys were quite seriously poorly, especially one of them was very, very poorly, I just kind of treaded water at Empower for a good long time. I was a team manager, I was earning money. Um, I went through some small incremental promotions with Empower, but nothing that would take me away from being able to be, a, a, I say a full-time mum, I, I was working, but I was still a full-time mum, you know, because it was only me. Um, and then when the boys started getting older, an opportunity came up at Empower to work with their offshore teams in India. And I'd already been doing that. So I was like, right, I'm going to I'm going to throw myself into this. Um, applied for the job and I was successful. So I looked after their um, outsourced teams uh, of about 300 people in India for a few years. Um, but that was temporary because Empower was closing its offices. So I knew it was temporary. And this job opportunity popped up with a new entrant energy supplier called Extra Energy. Um, that was back in, I think, 2013 or 2012. And back then, new energy supplies didn't open up. It just didn't happen. You know, we had first utility co-op and, and a couple of others, but it was unheard of. So I thought, oh, I'm going to take this opportunity um, and uh, was successful and got the, the role of customer, uh, head of customer services, I think I was. Um, and really the rest is history from there because extra energy, um, I didn't really connect with them on a service standard and the way they treated their people didn't align with me. Uh, so I, I moved on to places for people energy and I took them to market. Um, I was then offered a job closer to home with Orbit Energy. So I took Orbit Energy to market in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, and then I... Um, took money plus energy to market in Manchester so it almost uh it kind of snowballed like it, it just happened without me really consciously putting any effort into that um and each of those roles kind of were incrementally stepping higher so uh you know COO roles director of operation roles etc <clears throat> um but over the last maybe the last year or so with money plus I was really starting to feel the itch. Like, this wasn't right for me. I was turning up, I was doing a good job. Everyone was happy with my performance, but it just didn't connect with me. You know, I can't even describe it more than it was an itch that I couldn't quite scratch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, I... So I'd coached for years in, in, in the jobs that we do as directors, you know, operational directors, we coach. So I, I trained as a life coach while I was still working at Money Plus um, and kind of did that on the side for a little while. Um, and I think that is the point really when we talk about authenticity, 
that was the point when I really kind of looked head on at the fact of the person that was showing up to work wasn't me. Right. And the person that I was being at work wasn't me. Um, and I was, uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't me. I'm not, I'm not saying that there was none of me in there, but I, I was a lot harsher than I am naturally. So I was a lot sterner. Yeah. Um, I felt like I couldn't dress like me. So, you know, I'm a 80s, 90s metal chick. And, you know, I had to cover the tattoos and I had to kind of present myself as a traditional professional person. Mm. Um, and it just felt like that was the point where I realised that over the years, um, I'd kind of pushed the authentic me further and further and further down mm. to be able to fit in with the world that surrounded me. Um, and that world was a very typical male-driven, kind of quite aggressive corporate environment. Yeah. Um, and I would, I, one of the things that, that I, I potentially am most ashamed about is that um, I played by those rules. You know, I, I played by them and I was proud of myself for my ability to fit in and adapt and play in that kind of quite hostile environment. And probably even more is that not only did I play by those rules, but I enforced them on other people as well. So yeah. I expected other people coming up to also play by those rules. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I feel like I've rambled a little bit then. No, 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 no. That kind of journey of losing yourself almost yeah. in, in that working world to be successful, to fit in, to be accepted. Yeah. Um, was really kind of quite apparent. Yeah, no, I get you. Um, and, and certainly um, from, the, from looking at your career from the outside, you certainly turned up at some businesses that had some challenging cultures as well, which mm. we, won't, we won't go into. I don't want to put you on the spot there. Mm. But, you know, that I can certainly see how, and I, I've been in that situation where you're in a challenging culture and you can either rebel against it mm -hmm. or go along with it. And mm -hmm. neither of them, uh, certainly when I've been in those situations, I've not been proud at, at sort of either yeah. decision I've made because you're either uh, sort of unsuccessful or you're going along with a culture that you're just not happy with. Um, I just wonder, is there a, um, again, without without sort of naming names, but is there a, is there a memory that kind of springs to mind of a of a situation that you can remember that you kind of when you think about it, you kind of go back to those moments. You kind of go, Do you know what? There was this one time, and I just felt horrible after that point. Yeah, and and I absolutely can. And actually, one of my so one of my um, friends and colleagues, we both went through this experience together. And sometimes we just say, Can you believe we did that? Can you actually genuinely believe we did that? So this was a, an energy supplier I worked out a, a, you know, a good number of years ago. And we had hired, it had a culture of drinking. So it had very much had a, a culture of you go out as a team, you are on the shops, you are, but you know, it is very much a heavy, let's eat, let's drink, let's party type of culture. Yeah. And we hired one chap who we, we had worked with before um, but he didn't fit into that culture. He was great. So he was a, a, a frontline agent. He was great. He connected so well with customers. We really wanted him on the team, but he wouldn't come out drinking with us. Uh, he just didn't want to. Yeah. He lived far away. 
um, he was like, I'm going to have to drive. He lived in, in um, the Peak District. He was like, I'm going to have to drive through these tiny roads late at night. I don't want to do it. And the, our CEO at the time basically spoke to me and my colleague and said, um, he's not a fit for our culture because this isn't what we do. Um, you need to have that conversation with him. Mm. And we had that conversation with him. Now, we didn't sack him at all there was there was none of that you know I certainly wouldn't have gone down that lane of saying right you know get out but we we had that conversation to say look there's more to working here than the day job you've got to connect in with the culture of the the company that we work in um we will pay for hotels we will do whatever you need to do for you to be able to go on these nights out and unsurprisingly he didn't want to do that yeah and I look back at that and, and my friend and I, we look back at it and say, how did we do that? Yeah. How did we do that? Yeah. But we were in such a toxic culture um, that it was survival, right? It was survival for us yeah. as well as, you know, everyone else. And, and that is something where my authentic self, I, I don't particularly like going out drinking. Every now and then I love a Christmas party and a summer party, yeah. but... You know, I don't particularly want to be out every night leaving the kids with someone else, etc. Yeah. And yet I I completely changed myself to survive in that environment that I was in. Yeah. And and you know, I think I think that, that scenario will will resonate with so many people mm-hmm. listening. And certainly from from my perspective, I, I did I don't want to sort of put my thoughts on you, but um I always think these things don't happen um in one go it's a it's a gradual thing and you find yourself kind of going wow how did how did that happen yeah yeah Um, you know and that's that is exactly where it was you know how did we get to that point and and I left that business not long after that actually because I I could not align myself culturally with them Um, and that for me is really important and so I left not long after that. I can't say that was the trigger for me leaving. There, there were multiple different different issues. Um, but I, I then moved on to a company where I felt valued and, you know, slowly was able to almost get rid of that trauma that I'd experienced over the years and actually, you know, yeah. find my authentic self in, in that place of work. Well, okay, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so so they, they, they would no, no doubt be quite a few life lessons that you can sort of go back to but is there is there kind of one that you want to share with us today from a from a a life lesson perspective that you think yeah do you know what that's something that's always stuck with me whether it's kind of remembering how to deal with a a, you know a a rainstorm or whether Mm. it's something else you've kind of picked up over the years Mm. so and maybe if I can have two (laughs) one is how 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 I have kind of made it through my career and the other one is is at this end where I'm older and maybe more experienced what I wish I had done more of I guess yeah so the the one and the one that I, I spoke to um my boys about just last week was that no matter what job I have done I have always tried to do it to the very best of my ability. And by that, I mean, um, there was a period of time where I was working in data entry um, just before the boys came along, where I was working in data entry uh, to literally just type in, copying from one form into a computer all day. 
and I was being paid minimum wage. I don't even think we had minimum wage back then. But I wasn't being paid very much, but I had my own competitions to get 100% quality on every pack I did to do it quicker than I, you know, let me beat my previous time. Uh, when I've worked in factories, I've worked in margarine packing factories and bottle packing factories. It's been like, how can I make this quicker? How can I be more efficient? And I don't do that for other people. I do that for myself. So I do that so that whatever I do, I can take satisfaction and really come away thinking I've done a good job here. I'm proud of what I've done. Um, And that's the lesson that I've tried to impart to the boys is do the best that you can do, regardless of what you're being paid. And I don't mean overwork because I have strong feelings about overwork. I don't think that's healthy. So I don't mean overwork, but I mean within your working hours, do the very best job that you can do so that whatever you're doing, you can walk away proud. Yeah. And slowly that shows, so people start to notice and, you know, you get opportunities and, and things come from that. And so that has definitely stood me in good stead. The one that I would like to, to send back to me, <laughs> you know, 25 years ago, is know your worth, know your values and stand by them. You know, stand by who you are that doesn't mean you don't have to have the emotional intelligence to adapt to a situation that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is if there's something that's important to you you know if you value the way that people are treated don't stay in an environment that treats people badly um, you know if you value equity and equality don't turn a blind eye when you see a comment that is inappropriate or shouldn't be said whether it's directed at you or not yeah. And that, I think, is the I wish I could kind of fling that back over and start yeah. again. Yeah. Um, although it's hard to be your authentic self if you are in an environment that's very toxic. And I, I totally appreciate that. Agreed. Um, and do you think, though, Joe, um, could, could you have actually done that 25 years ago, though? Could you have achieved so. that? Whereas now I think, you know, even though people are coming into the workforce now, I think, you know they'll have their own struggles no doubt and they'll have their own equivalences of of, of what you've been through mm. but I just wonder if you'd have stood up then and said hang on you can't say this that's an inappropriate you know would, would you have just been let go as a as a sort of a negative influence yeah. mm-hmm. I, I absolutely and and that is the reality I was actually talking to one of my friends who's, who's a lot younger than me about my tattoos so um, I want to get a tattoo on my arm and I was like, I can do it now. I couldn't have done it 25 years ago. I wouldn't be where I am now had I got a visible tattoo as, as a woman. So time has, has definitely moved on and, and I agree. And, and I actually have an example when I was maybe 21 and I was working in the pubs on my work placement and um, I was younger, clearing ashtrays down the, the side and um there was a group of blokes and one of those blokes pushed me up against the wall and tried to kiss me. And I was re- like, I was raging. I certainly was not submissive to that. I was absolutely fuming. And I went to my boss and said, he's just done this. That isn't okay. You need to address it. And the response I got back was, well, you know, he's one of the locals. They spend a lot of money in here. We just need to toughen up. Mm. Um, and I remember that because I did toughen up. At that point, I did toughen up. And that, for me, was a real turning point where I thought, hang on a minute, we're not playing in an equal playing field. Yeah. Now, I would like to think if that happened now, that would be dealt with and that would yes. be addressed. You know, I'd like to think, I don't know. And we haven't moved on quickly enough with um, equality and equity in the workplace. But hopefully, 
you know, that would be treated with differently, not just kind of stop being precious, get on with it, toughen up. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, yeah. And, and I'm sure there'd have been other examples like that where not quite as um, obvious and in your face, but other subtle examples in the workplace where you'd have had to have kind of gone, well, hang on, this is an important client. So we have to accept their bad behavior yeah. because yeah. they're an important client. So we just kind of let that let that go rather than yeah. calling them out mm-hmm. for being, um, excuse my French, for being a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the challenge, isn't it? And you know, for me to sit here and say, just call out everybody, and that's that's our idealistic world, but that isn't the reality of the world that we 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 live and work in yet. We are not there yet. And actually, sometimes we have to go about this in a more discreet manner. Um, But I still think it should be addressed, you know, especially when we're talking about um, inequity. So racist comments, sexist, you know, gender identity, sexual identity, whatever it is. I think if we are being party to that, then we should always find a way to have a word with that person. Or, you know, let's say you're in a meeting and... Um, you're relatively junior maybe it's about having a word with your line manager to say look could we could someone just speak to this client and let them know that that's not appropriate um I think when we turn a blind eye totally that's when things are allowed to continue yeah yes absolutely um so moving moving on to to other um other sort of day-to-day things now then Joe um now obviously your um, daily routine has no doubt changed from you know being part of a C-suite um, operation. Now you're running things yourself. Um, what's your what's your daily routine now, and how do you keep your your energy levels up? Well, uh, this is a very interesting um, question because when I so I left my last corporate job in the middle of December, and my brain seemed to think that I was just retired now, you know, and I was going <laughs> to do this coaching as a bit of a hobby. So yeah. I was getting up when I wanted. I'd maybe watched Helly till 10. I'd wandered down, do a few hours work. Um, and then I suddenly had this realisation that actually, no, you know, I'm not a millionaire. I can't live for the rest of my life off, off good intentions um, and the odd box set. So I, I really had to make a change where I have to have a very conscious routine to my day. And if I don't, then I can easily drift into pottering around the house, doing a bit of housework, maybe a bit of DIY, nip into the shop. So I I set my alarm, I get up, I get up at 7.30, which is a lie-in. So having commuted for the last 10 years, my alarm was always set for 7.30. So I feel very, very indulgent getting up at, uh, uh, I was always getting up at 5.30. So 7.30 feels very indulgent. Um, I have my breakfast and my coffee with my dog, so she can have half an hour snuggle. And then I get dressed for work. And that for me is really important. And I know a lot of people, if they're not on calls, if they're not meeting people, they'll still be in their pajamas or you know, in their comfy clothes. Whereas I have to come downstairs, I get dressed, I get ready, and I, and I show up. The things that I have started adding into my day are meditation and journaling. Okay. Um, which actually aren't the two things that I actually don't find easy. Um, a lot of people find them very easy, but I don't. I have something called aphantasia, which is that I have no mind's eye, so I can't visualize at all. So meditation can be quite difficult because meditation is generally around visualize yourself doing this and this. Um, but the, I've done quite a lot of research 
research from a neuroscience perspective and there are so many health benefits to just 10 minutes of meditation a day that I'm really that is now a before I start work I meditate and I then journal um, and in that journaling it can be two minutes it can be 10 minutes it's whatever it, it needs to be but in that journaling I journal about how I'm feeling right now so what am I feeling? Sometimes I'm not feeling anything. I've noticed that's quite common for me. I'm not really feeling anything right now. I'm just here. Right. Yeah. Um, what I want. So what do I want today? And what are my goals for that day? And that I found is really important because if I don't write down a goal for the day, then I end up doing something completely different. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I check back in. Um, and say, you know, how am I feeling now? Have I done what I wanted to do? If I didn't, why didn't I do it? Um, and I try a lot of what I do is evening based now. So I, I do a lot of clients in the evening, but I try and always make sure that I, I log off and I properly log off. So I think when you're self-employed, it's easy to still be working at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Yeah. So I try and keep that to say, no, right, I'm done now. It's 7.30, I'm done. Um, I'm just going to go walk the dog or hang out or watch some TV or go around to friends. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So it sounds like you you really gone through those early sort of painful this feels okay but it, it doesn't feel okay yeah now mm -hmm. you, you've created a structure for yourself that mm -hmm. um it sounds a little bit like you're practicing what you preach with your with your clients as well there yeah and it's had to be really important to me to do that actually because um there was one point probably in mid-January I was like what the hell am I doing I don't really know what I'm doing and I realized that I didn't have a plan I didn't have any goals I didn't have any actions I didn't have any milestones I wasn't doing um working on my negative mindset and I was like hang on a minute Joe. how the hell can you ask other people to do it and you're just kind of floundering around so I had a real reset where I wrote my goals I wrote everything out I, I did all of that structure so that I was really clear on my intention and then trying to make sure that I, I practice what I preach effectively yeah. um, every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's be clear, this is the career and the experience you've built up over the years, isn't it? You know, you didn't, yeah. you didn't get to where you got to by not having a plan, by not having a, you know, an approach exactly. to it and setting goals. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the, the corporate, Joe, would have been... Um, you know, a little bit frustrated if the other person was rocking up to meetings without a plan. Without any kind of thought. Yeah, exactly that. And I actually had that kind of light bulb moment where I, I was talking to one of my friends, I just don't really know what I'm doing. I'm very scattergun. And she's like, Joe, you've set up four energy companies. You know how to launch a business. Yeah. Get your head together. What would you do if this was if you were launching this in the corporate world? Yeah. Um, and but it's so much harder to do that. On ourselves as it is when you're in a job and someone is paying your salary you have that real responsibility to deliver to, to what's required whereas when it's only you it's much easier to kind of let that slip so yeah. um and I keep having to bring myself back to it because I I drift away from it and then I'm like no come back right what's the milestone what should you be doing right now and to kind of keep me moving forward yeah. I think it's spot on then. I think there's a re real number of lessons there for anybody looking to set up their own business or thinking about doing that in the future. Mm. And, and that that sort of um, transformation from being in an organisation and behaving in a certain oh, way, yeah. being experienced and skills and an expert mm. and remembering all of that when you're running it for yourself. 
yeah yeah and it's it's huge and I think you know for people who are starting out one I would just say write down your goal write down your action plans write down your milestones it doesn't matter if you change them a week later and actually you probably will because who you think you are going to be when you start that just it constantly morphs it changes and it grows and I think that first six to 12 months I mean I'm only three months in so far but I think that first six to 12 months is such a huge period of change where you're going to end up unrecognizable from what you thought you were starting with. Yeah. But just do it because just having that active, clear thinking of writing things down will get you started. And then from that, you will naturally start that growth journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Joe, we've talked about bias in, in a number of different forms mm. uh, today um, and, and, you know, driven by the experiences you've had. Um, but I wonder, do you do you think that's something that we're stuck with as a, you know, as as a human race that we'll always have an element of bias, or do you think we can expect for it to slowly disappear um, mm. over the generations to come? Mm. And it, it's a, a really interesting question. So our our brains are set up to have bias. So you know that's how they they work is that they create these shortcuts of thinking, and that is what what can create this bias. So we, we are, I guess, predisposed to, to that way of thinking. But I think where we need to change, and we need to change a lot more quickly than we've been changing so far, is by bringing forward our real conscious thought into this process and actually saying, is this okay? Is this actually okay? Because when we let our subconscious brains run un, unfettered, they will stick in this bias thought process because we don't even often realize that we are acting in that way we often don't even realize that we are acting with bias towards other people so we have to really kind of engage engage our conscious thinking engage our questioning around is this actually okay and we need to challenge that is the big thing for me we need to challenge and I feel personally over the last couple of years that um I have a responsibility to challenge where I see something that isn't appropriate. And even if that is a really uncomfortable conversation, um, I will challenge friends, family, if they say something. My, my son's flatmates at university have all chosen um, to move away from their birth gender. So there are various different gender identities there. Um, and I am seeing the bias that society shows unfettered towards people who've moved away from their, their birth gender in the way that, that these people are being treated. And I will challenge it and say, no, that's not okay. And make people stop and think, because if we don't, mm. then it won't change. Yeah. And we, of course, we're moving forward. So we're in a very different place than we were 50 years ago, but we're moving too slowly. We are moving too slowly. And we need to move more quickly. Um, and for me, obviously, I experience gender inequity, but I see this inequity that sits around us for, for so many different groups of society. And we have to move more quickly. And there's a responsibility on those of us who don't experience um, inequity to challenge when yeah. we see it. Um, so I don't think, I think we're a few generations away from moving to a place where we can we can be calling for equality i think we're, you know we're going to be 
in that equity position, you know, we're going to have to level the playing field, I think, for another two, three generations before we actually start seeing people coming into the world in a truly equal position. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think it, it's, it's really interesting for me that, you know, I, I obviously as a middle-aged white man, um, a, a lot of the conversations I have these days are about sort of trying to educate myself in mm-hmm. some experiences other people have gone through. Um, because, you know, I, I grew up in, in, you know, in the South Wales Valleys, you know, very kind of, um, you know, a, a very much a white upbringing. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And therefore, I didn't experience any of these things. No. Um, and, no. and, and, you know, so, so a lot of the conversations I've had are kind of, you know, talk to me about that. Let me, yeah. let me understand it a bit more. Um, and the, 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 I, we did a diversity uh, podcast uh, uh, probably about over a year ago now. And one of the guys on it was talking about, um, you know, loving a certain type of, of life, but not being able to experience it in mm. the daytime. So, you know, whether it be kind of certain foods, certain music, talk yeah. about, you know, so, so, you know, the, the epitome of culture. Mm. Um, mm. And that, that really... That, that's when I really understood it because it's almost like how would I go into work and not express being Welsh yeah exactly not celebrate you know you know we're obviously we're known for loving rugby and singing yeah. and these things how could I go into the workplace and not not feel comfortable talking like that mm-hmm. and that's that's essentially what what this guy was talking about and that mm-hmm. really struck a chord that's with me that I, I had not experienced it but I could understand that just from just from the conversation so for me it's about having some of those awkward conversations being being comfortable you know being called out for something because I know my upbringing and the life that I led meant that there's no doubt been lots of times over the over my history where I've done things wrong but sometimes unless somebody calls you out or asks you the question you just don't know just don't see it Absolutely. And I think it's what you picked up on there, having those uncomfortable conversations is so important because often we're too scared to ask. We maybe see something and we think, oh, it made me feel a bit uncomfortable. But we don't want to ask the person that was directed at to say, did that make you feel uncomfortable? Um, And by not asking those questions, by not really learning and understanding then we will never grow and we will never change. Every single one of us has subconscious bias. We all have it. The the difference is those who, when they realise it, either noticing it themselves or someone else calls it out, do something to change it. And that's what's important. And I had a situation with my boys when they were younger where I'd made a a joke about gender identity because um, the... It was COVID time and there was my one of my sons went to a very male college. There were no women there. It was a kind of handy, handy type of construction college. And he was saying, oh, there's such a huge queue for the men's toilets. And I said, oh, well, why don't you just tell people you identify as a woman and then you can use the ladies? I did not realise I was being offensive by saying that. Mm. They both turned on me. They were like, mom, you cannot say that. That's really rude. And I felt like I'd been smacked because I was like how awful of me to make that comment you know that wasn't right but I didn't realize and you can bet your bottom dollar I have never made a joke like that again because I thought hang on a minute that's not funny that isn't there's no need 
to use other people's differences as the, the source of your, your jokes. There's yeah. just no need for it. So we all do it. We all act in ways that, are, that have this subconscious bias, this bias that sits within us. What we have to do is consciously look for it, call it out and stop it and change it and challenge it. You know, we're none of us perfect. No, that's good. Um, some really good good bits of advice in there, Joe. Thank you. Um, so we're we're now at the end of the podcast, Joe. Um, so the, it has. Um, and I guess I'm really interested in in you know, do you have a clear view on where next for you uh, mm. what the future looks like? Yeah, so I have a clear view based on where I am right now, but I'm still early, so it may may very well change. But but my so for me, there's two real key things that are important to me to work on. One of them is this one-to-one personal coaching to help people find their authentic, powerful, truthful self and to be able to find their success by being themselves. Um, and that could be within the corporate world or it might actually be finding your passion, similar to what I've done. You know, yeah. I've chosen to leave because I found a passion. So that one-on-one coaching to really help people scratch that itch you know and actually take the step into the, to the world that they're comfortable in and some of that is tackling bias actually I have a couple of clients who have come to speak to me because they don't know they feel like they work in an environment where they're not aligned on their values because of these little throwaway comments you know little um slightly homophobic jokes and we don't know how to deal with that mm-hmm. so helping people to find their authenticity and the other side of it, which I'm really excited about, is actually working with corporate clients to deliver personal coaching in a workplace setting. So this could either be one-on-one workplace coaching or it could be group um, coaching. But it is about personal development. So this isn't about building teams or teaching skills. This is about helping people to grow and develop personally within the work environment so they can um, improve their performance um, it's a program called building high performing individuals and it's really about taking people on that emotional intelligence journey and finding their alignment and their power and they both make me feel really passionate because I can feel like I'm making a difference for yeah. people for the culture for the environment wow okay and I can see that um, just kind of it's coming through the screen at me actually um, and do, do you know something so we're so we're at the, the end of the podcast now and the the thing that I love about the Leaders Life Story podcast is we you know the format's the same every time, but the conversation takes in so many different directions. Um, and you know, of course, we've talked about your your experience today. And we've talked about your your life story, and we we picked out your career, but it's almost like we haven't talked about your career mm. much as well. Yeah, yeah. We, you know the the sort of authenticity that's kind of run through it, and the learning that you've had, and that kind of, and and it's 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 kind of unfortunate, really, that the wisdom we get in, later in our career, um, you know, those, those yeah. moments you kind of go, do you know what? I wish I'd known this earlier. Yeah. yeah. What, I'm, what I'm hoping is that that you know, uh, future leaders get to listen to these podcasts and get to hear people. Mm. And kind mm. of, you know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take on that challenge today. I'm going to mm. be authentic. I am going to represent myself and feel more comfortable with who I am in the workplace and see how, mm. that, see how that feels, see how that settles for me. Yeah, 
and that's it isn't it it's sharing our lessons and that's one of the things that I I'm really am passionate about is if I can help people to go on my journey and find more authenticity just a little bit quicker you know people aren't going to just turn up tomorrow and go right today I'm going to be me yeah. but if we can if I can just help people to move on that journey quicker than it took me to move on that journey then they they are going to have so much opportunity and so much power at their, their fingertips yeah yeah um, so yeah it's, it's just helping people on that journey helping our young younger people to find their way yeah absolutely and that, that and that's why we do the podcast so appreciate your time today joe thanks very much for that thank you very much um, and, and as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. We've, we've dabbled in, in mentoring today, um, loosely around coaching, but you know we think at Future Leaders that mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, www.futureleaders.com, and follow us on LinkedIn and jump into the discussions that we have. But for now, goodbye, and we'll speak again soon.